0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing well. Having a great summer so far? I am. Me too. But on these hot summer days, have I ever seen you at our local Starbucks?
1: You may have.
0: I know. I think (laughs) I have. Because I know that you're a Starbucks fan. Me too. What do you get when you order there?
1: I always get the maca green tea frappuccino with almond milk and a shot of peppermint syrup. Maybe wow. two maybe two shots if it's really maybe hot outside. <laughs> and that sounds very precise.
0: Yes, yeah, very refreshing. Is that something you dreamed up yourself or they just offer that to anyone?
1: They suggested it to me because I'm not really a coffee drinker. So, But I, wanted a, I had every reason to go into Starbucks <laughs> because of the sign and so many meetings happen there.
0: So you found something that is in your groove.
1: Something for me, yes.
0: I'll tell you what, I don't even like coffee, but I'm a Starbucks fan too. And this week on Viewpoint, we're continuing our series about life lessons you can learn from your local Starbucks store. You might be thinking, why are you talking about that? Hey, when we come back, we're going to give you a reason why we're talking about it and why you should pay attention. Stay with us. Okay, Starbucks. It's everywhere. I mean, there aren't many places you can go in this world anymore where you're not going to see that green logo, Starbucks. Now, Jamie, you know I'm a Seattle guy, so I was going to Starbucks before you were born. (laughs) But I don't go there for coffee. You know what my thing is? I want to know. Chocolate-covered graham crackers. They're always right by the cashier at the front. Most people overlook them, but I'm telling you, worth a trip.
1: Oh, my goodness. And what I
0: like about it is the chocolate is so thick, you want dark chocolate. They do milk chocolate, too, but dark's the best. Mm-hmm. The chocolate on that graham cracker is so thick that when you take a bite in it, you can see your teeth marks through the chocolate. <laughs> this is the proof <laughs> that it's really worth yeah. the worth buy. Starbucks is a place where people drink coffee. They buy graham crackers. They have all kinds of reasons to ingest things there, but also it's a place where people get together. It's mm-hmm. kind of become a almost like a pub-like, non-alcohol-serving place in our culture, I mean, you just said you go to Starbucks for meetings. Yes. I mean, we meet our friends there. There are Bible studies there. There are mm-hmm. mis- business meetings. Sometimes when I'm traveling, I'm in Starbucks because they've got free Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all there, isn't it? Why would we even talk about it, though? Well, it's because there's a reason. No, there are many reasons why Starbucks has become such a global phenomenon. I mean, everyone recognizes it. Everyone knows about it. Some people won't stop there. They think it costs too much money for a cup of coffee or whatever but it still changed the way we think Mm -hmm. about getting together, about coffee, Mm -hmm. about the corner store. And we're talking this series on Viewpoint about lessons we can learn from that. Life lessons, not about business, but about life. We're looking at a book written by a guy named Howard Bahar. It's called It's Not About the Coffee, describing some of the life lessons he learned working as an executive at Starbucks. Actually, it was his assignment to help Starbucks become a global brand. When he came to the company, it was only in the United States. And he got on to the top level of leadership early in the company's formation and began to imagine what it would be like if Starbucks was around the world. And, you know, there are many different cultures and many different uh, venues around the world where you might think a business might work in Seattle where the Starbucks was born, but it's not going to be so easy to do that same thing in Tokyo. That was his challenge. And what he learned were that there were some unique places about every store in the world. In other words, Tokyo is different than Seattle, but there are some common denominators in human enterprise that are the same, and that's what he captures in the book. And in one of his chapters, he talks about the way in which they are persistent and how they are a people of ideas. So one thing at Starbucks, he said, is they were always thinking about what's new, what's next, how do we improve, how do we grow? Not that they couldn't celebrate what's good and what's been achieved, but There's something in the culture at Starbucks that's always thinking about that next new thing. Chocolate-covered graham crackers was not on the menu originally, (laughs) but somebody thought, we need something here for people who don't drink coffee, and they Mm -hmm. dreamed that up, and it was a win. And man, Starbucks is an incubator of ideas, and they have the courage to try them. The status quo is not their ambition. They're not interested in just keeping what they have. They want it always to be better and to grow it. I mean, how many times could I think about that in my life? Is there something else, Jamie, that you learned uh, reading this book?
1: I also learned that Starbucks learns from mistake, and they actually celebrated their failures.
0: Wow. Wait, does Starbucks have failures? <laughs> yeah. And they celebrate them because they see the failure as an opportunity to do something better. And That's so right. they celebrate the fact that they tried. So much good in this world never is achieved because we're afraid to try. One of the things he talks about in the book is about their frappuccinos. And originally they were going to be in a partnership with Pepsi to create this kind of new bottled drink, but it didn't work out and there all kinds of mess-ups in the relationships and the and the concepts of the drink, but what it developed was the frappuccino we now take for granted at Starbucks today, and it's been such a big win, but it could not have been achieved had they not had some failures trying to develop the product and its marketing scheme. And so they celebrated their failures and clapped with applause at all that had happened, even as they took it forward to a completely new manifestation. You have to be persistent, you can't walk away. One thing he talks about is sometimes you can be in a hole and digging it and digging it and digging it and realizing it's going nowhere. And so you stop digging in that hole. But I like what he says, to quit digging doesn't mean you quit. You may just have to move to another part of the garden or or just look differently at the way in which you have been trying to excavate. But you don't give up. Don't quit. Did you catch that part where they said they take action, but they do it thoughtfully?
1: Yes. So sometimes they decide that they're supposed to feel or think or do, and other times feel, do, or think, but all three must be in the balance.
0: That's right. You've got these components. You have to feel things. You have to think things through, and you have to do things. You have to have all three of that. But sometimes your order is mixed up. You, know, you might feel something and do something out of your feelings, and then you have to think about it, uh, reflect upon it. Sometimes you may feel it, and that will lead you to thinking about it, which creates a plan to do it. But you have to feel, you have to think, and you have to do. Sometimes I just want to do without feeling. Sometimes I want to think without doing anything. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to feel and forget about it. That's <laughs> and, right. But feeling, thinking, and doing always lead to action Mm -hmm. that brings out good results. Oh, but wait a minute. It's all about Starbucks. There's something more in life than what Starbucks can teach us. But some of the things that I've learned at my local Starbucks are actually reinforcing and expanding my understanding of, are you ready for this, Jamie? Yes. The scripture itself. What? (laughs) No. Starbucks in Jesus. There are some truths (laughs) there in the ordinary work of human life that actually are building on principles in the scripture and when we come back we're going to talk about how you might even find Jesus in the lessons at Starbucks. One of the chapters in Howard Bihar's book, It's Not About the Coffee, in which he describes his experience at Starbucks, is one that emphasizes you have to be about action. You can't just talk about a Starbucks store, oh, we're going to have one of those someday. You can't just draw it on a piece of paper. You actually have to do it. You have to create the store. You have to work in the store. You have to deliver the products. You have to do things. It's all about the action steps that have given us this global brand, Starbucks. But, you know, Jesus was a man of action too, and no one has changed the world more profoundly than Jesus did. And we often remember what Jesus said, but we must remember what Jesus did. It's what he did that makes what he said all the more credible. There's a passage in Scripture, Jamie, I know you have it up before you. It's from John's Gospel, and he was being challenged by people who were questioning who he was and what he did. They, they didn't like what they were seeing, and they kept pressing him to just kind of explain himself tell tell us who are you give us an idea don't tell us any more stories we're done with the parables you know just speak clearly to us i mean they're they're pushing him up against a wall so to speak to declare who he is and this is how he responds it's in john chapter 10 what does it say
1: it says it was now winter and jesus was in jerusalem at the time of hanukkah the festival of dedication he was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name.
0: Wow. Well, so his answer is, pay attention to what I'm doing, guys. Right. And then you'll know who I am because the works of Jesus... Help create the platform for everything else he said. And he's emphasizing to us, our actions do speak louder than words. There's another passage in the New Testament that takes us to the same outcome. It's in Luke's Gospel where the disciples of John the Baptist are inquiring of Jesus, who are you really? Are you really the Messiah? It seems that John the Baptist himself was getting second thoughts. He was in prison and probably wondered if this guy, Jesus, that I think is the answer to all the world's woes, If he's really that, why am I in prison? I'm just reading between the lines, I don't know. But he sends his disciples to track Jesus down and ask the question. And this is what it says in Luke chapter seven, verse 20. John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Essentially, Jesus gives the same answer to these disciples of John as he gave to the guys in the temple courtyard that you read from John chapter 10. If you want to know who I am, then pay attention to what I'm doing. Action. We need to be people of action, and action for the good. Jesus was always thinking about what's coming next. He was never content with the status quo. From Galilee, to the Jordan River Valley, to Jerusalem, to Samaria, he was always on the move, he was always engaging, he was always creating, he was always seizing opportunities, he was never willing to leave anything just the way he found it. He was a man of action. He couldn't be content with just the way things were. And you know what? Jesus was
1: also a great teacher. He was also a great doer. When he was challenged to explain who he was, he referred his questioners to what he did. And he said, the good works I do, the works of my Father, and so on. So actions prove our words are true and disclose our hearts and our ambition.
0: And when Jesus was rejected, some people might describe that as a failure, you know, because often... People were not persuaded by what he did or what he said. And in business terms, we might say, well, that's a failure. That was a sale that wasn't made. But when he experienced that failure, Jesus did not stop doing what he was doing. He moved on to the next audience. He, he did not throw in the towel. He didn't quit digging, even though he might have to move to a new territory in which to plant a tree or plant a seed. His persistence is so extraordinary. He did things and he was persistent, always moving forward. He'd tell the disciples, Shake the dust off your feet. If people, you know, didn't buy what they were saying, their witness of him. But he never advised them to give up or to stop expanding the kingdom. I think that Jesus always acted boldly and bravely, innovatively, but he also was thoughtful. I mean, Jamie, what do you think? Jesus was always this man about doing things. Look at what I'm doing, he said. The the lame are made to walk, and the blind can see, and the lepers are being cured, and I'm proclaiming the good news of the kingdom to the poor. I mean, he's he's a man in motion. But can you think of some times when he was in motion, didn't he also just stop to the side and think and pray?
1: Yes, there were often times where he got away to just be alone and listen to God's voice. And he was always listening to the next, what what the father had for him to do, and I remember this reminded me of Jesus telling um, the people that, you know, I only do what my father says do, and I only say what my father says say. And the, the way that we can put that into practice is to really take that time, just as Jesus did. Remember the the what what would Jesus do movement and the bracelets. I just remember <laughs> yes, sure, this whole sure, um, sure. this passage reminded me of that. You know, that we, we that's a that was a movement of accountability so that when we take action, we can be reminded that we need to stay closely connected to the Father for what to do and say, as Jesus did.
0: And so as a person of action, we need to also be a person who is thoughtful. And I, I think that's what the guy in the Starbucks book is talking about, that Starbucks isn't just running out and doing things to do things. They're thoughtful about what they do. But... In a greater way, Jesus was always a man in motion, but he was very thoughtful because he was paying attention. He was setting time apart to listen to what the Father said so that his actions actually would bear good fruit and maximize the good to the greatest extent possible. To think and to be thoughtful, to unite those two ideas, creates great things. Jamie, as we've been thinking about this uh, lesson from Starbucks and how the company was built by people of action, and it's still growing and expanding because people think things through at Starbucks, and then they reach for something more, a new product, a new location, a new country. And as I think about Jesus, a man of action who even more profoundly changed the world, and he was always doing things that made people's lives better. I mean, he didn't just sit by the curb and watch the world go by. He he was looking for the guy in the tree like Zacchaeus, who was alone and isolated. He was walking by the pool of Bethesda and finding the man who had been disabled for so long and coming alongside to help. He was always intervening and reaching out in action to make life better, but also doing it through a reflective time before, in the evening perhaps, when he was alone with the Father, for instance, listening. All of that, I think... I'm not like that always. Sometimes I just want to throw my hands up and withdraw. (laughs) You know what? The world is too big. The problems are too great. I could never do anything that important. I could never build a business like Starbucks. I could never really help somebody live better. You know, I'm too tired, or I'm not skilled enough, or I'm not educated enough. I mean, there's so many reasons why I might just want to sit by the curb and withdraw. But that's not following Jesus, and it's not changing the world, and it doesn't make anything good really come to pass. I can't just wait for somebody else to work it out. I can't just look at Jamie and say, Jamie, you're really sharp. Why don't you go do that?
1: Just talking about action and taking action, there was a quote from the author by William James, and he talked about the greatest use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast. It reminded me of Jesus' willingness to spend time with his disciples and the people teaching and serving them, taking action, doing the will of the one who sent him and And even when there were times when he wanted to be alone, like after his cousin was beheaded, he still took the time to pour into them. And the sacrifice that he made then are still lasting.
0: He poured his life into things that mattered. And sometimes we think it has to be grandiose. Sometimes just coming alongside and giving someone a hug is something that really matters. and can have a lifetime impression. But we have to be willing to take the dare and reach beyond ourselves to act in a way that really outlives us and that's the lesson of jesus isn't it and i guess as i'm thinking about these things i'm, I'm thinking about well what am i going to do today mm-hmm. what what am i doing today how do i act in a way that outlives my life how do i build something that's great that actually has influence for the good and gives life to other people how do i follow jesus because so much of what i do seems small because it's self-focused on me. I'm surviving. It's about what I'm gonna have for lunch, about what I'm gonna do this afternoon, what TV show I'm gonna watch. All of us have to have some R&R, but am I framing my days by doing things that really outlive me, just as Jesus demonstrated for us most importantly? Well, we don't know where you are in life today. Maybe you're driving by a Starbucks right now. Maybe you're listening to this on a podcast in a Starbucks store. But every time you drive by Starbucks, just think about this. What am I doing? And am I doing anything of consequence? And then think about Jesus. Well, how did Jesus live? And man, he was a guy who was always in motion, reaching and touching and blessing other people, a man of action who also was listening carefully to the prompting of his Father in heaven. Can I be that guy? Can you be that guy? Can any of us follow in those footsteps? Absolutely but you have to be willing to make a decision. Your first action step to be the person that you want to be is to surrender to Jesus because he can take you as you are. He can reform you. We call that being born again. And he can pour his spirit into you to empower you to do things and to think things that you never could do by yourself. We're encouraging you to be a person of action, to change the world for the good, to build something out that will outlive you, by first surrendering to Jesus. You can do it. How do you do it? Right here with us, start. You can pray. It's about quieting your heart, just taking a deep breath, and talking to God with us. He will listen, I promise. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know exactly who we are, where we've been, and what we can do. We're so thankful that you have a divine purpose for each of us, every one of us. You have a destiny for us. We've been created so that we can do good works. The scripture tells us that. We pray, Lord, that you will recreate us. We surrender our lives into Jesus' hands. We admit that we're not able by ourselves and that we've had many mess-ups. We have sinned. We have failed. We ask you to forgive us and to make us new and then empower us by your spirit to think and to dream and to do, to feel, to think and to do in ways that will bless the lives of those around us, make this world a better place, and leave a legacy that will outlive us in this world. I know it's possible, Lord, and I thank you for everyone that's praying this prayer with us today. May it be true in my journey and in theirs. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: I don't have love, I waste my breath with every song I bring An empty voice, a hollow noise If I speak with a silver tongue, convince a crowd But don't have love, I leave a bitter taste with every word I say So let my life be i
0: was it? No, that was a first step, but there's more. If you prayed that prayer with us, or maybe you want to just ask some questions about a prayer like that, or maybe you just want to share with us your heart, your hopes, or maybe your discouragements, whatever is in your head right now, call us up. Dial this number 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're right by the phone. We want to hear from you. We'd love to share with you. We'd love to come alongside you. Jamie, I know some people don't want to talk on the phone. They might feel like, well, that's a little scary. How else could they reach out to us online, perhaps?
1: They can go to cbhviewpoint.org.
0: That's CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email, and we will reply, I promise. Or the last, just write me a letter. Send me a note. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please, let us hear from you this week. Jamie, you know what? I feel like I've been at Starbucks with you, just kind of talking (laughs) across the table. And uh, the only thing missing are my chocolate-covered grams. I know. What do you think? Next time.
1: Next time. (laughs) Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me.
0: And we're so glad to have you tune in as well. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we take one more step in life lessons we can learn from Starbucks and draw a bridge from those life lessons to the great teaching of the New Testament, too. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.